Hey friends, have you ever been told that having fear and anxiety equals a lack of trust in God? Our guest on the show today reminds us that God is still with us even when anxiety threatens to overwhelm. You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 336, Christy Bulware and Love That Casts Out Fear. friends welcome back to halfway there this is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary christians about today's christian experience as always i am your host eric nevins thank you so much for joining me i'm glad that you are here we have a great conversation coming up i have a fresh cup of coffee in my hands which means you know it's gonna be a great conversation right so we're gonna uh, dive into that in just a moment uh, but first, I just want to let you know if you enjoy this conversation, when you enjoy this conversation, because I know you will, uh, would you do me a favor? Do just one thing. Take one action. I'm going to give you three options. Ready? You could uh, share it on social and say to somebody, hey, this is a great show. I love this. Tag me if you do that. You could send a text to a friend and say, you know what? I heard you've been struggling with this. This episode might help. That would be awesome as well. Best compliment you can give us. You could go to halfwaytherepodcast.com and hit that Patreon button and just give $5 a month. It really does help. I really appreciate uh, when those of you who are able to do that do it. So thank you so much. All right, let's jump in to our conversation. I'm excited to have this conversation because I know that uh, a lot of us uh, have similar or wrestle with similar kinds of things. So I know it's going to help us. Um, our guest today, she suffered a nervous breakdown caused by severe panic and anxiety disorder in 2011. And then uh, she turned that into a purpose. She found uh, founded Fearless Unite. She's also a speaker and author. We're going to talk about all of that. Uh, her passion is uh, to really see men and women of all different ages overcome fear and anxiety. And I love this part by stepping into their God-given purpose and identity. I do think it's all about identity. I'm sure we're going to get into that. Our guest is Christy Bulware. Christy, welcome to Halfway There. Eric, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited for the conversation. I am excited to have you here and to hear all that. So that's a lot of about what you're doing. Tell us just a little bit more about where God has you right at the moment. Right at the moment, he has me focused on, uh, well, specifically, we've got a Freedom Thoughts conference that we're going to be pouring into about 200 women, teaching them how to renew their mind and walk and freedom from the negative thoughts that they're thinking. Next weekend, I'm preparing for a retreat where we get about 35 women that we just pour into them and help them have a breakthrough if they're struggling with um, fear and anxiety and worry and panic. And then I think uh, more specifically, I'm ready to launch a book into the world. It's like I'm having a baby pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. That's a big deal, isn't it? It's a, there's a lot that goes into a book launch, and I don't think people know how much that means because by the time you get the book into the world and it's in print, you've done so much work, right? It's been It's been a lot. Oh, if somebody would have said, hey, Christy, after you have this nervous breakdown, then I'm going to have <laughs> you put it in a book form so the whole world can hear about the troubles and the fears and the worries and the panic oh, you've been through. I would have been like, no, thank you. Somebody yeah. else can have that job. <laughs> right. Okay. So good news, friends. You don't have to uh, write a book about your uh, <laughs> panic attacks, right? It's okay. But Christy did. So we're going to talk about that and we're, we'll go, we'll dive into it. I want to get back into your story and kind of lead us through up till how you got to this point. Cause I think that's uh, what we always, that's what I like to hear and what I think is really encouraging to our audience. So we're, um, I don't even know, like, where are you and where did you grow up? 
So I'm in Missouri and I grew up in St. Peter's, just a suburb of St. Louis and uh, went off to college to William Woods University in Fulton. It's kind of near Columbia. If anybody knows where Mizzou is, oh, M-I-Z. Yeah. yeah, that's that's where I met my husband in college. We fell in love and uh, entered into the sales force after I graduated uh, with a fine arts degree. So uh, my whole life, really, Eric, I was a striver and an achiever and just was really excited about uh, the next big thing that I could accomplish or do. And uh, at the time, I wasn't really following Christ. I was what you called a CEO Christian, which is Christmas, Easter only. And that was just, and here's the thing. It wasn't that I didn't like God or have a problem with God at all. It was just that I didn't need him. I was superwoman. I could do everything in my own strength, was very successful, always seemed to achieve anything that I set my mind to. So it wasn't until really uh, I realized that my superwoman cape was strangling me that I actually <laughs> needed to look up at maybe something other than myself, my own strength. Yeah. That's a little bit of my background and story. Yeah, interesting. All right, well, let's dive into some of that. No capes, first of all, no capes. That's, <laughs> the, that's the motto from one of the best movies of all time. Uh, but so that's good. Also St. Louis area. That's good. Does that make you a Cardinals fan? Is that, it does. this is why I like you. See, I knew, knew there was something. So I, I grew up in Des Moines, so not terribly far from you. Okay. And, uh, so if by happenstance and good fortune, I ended up a Cardinals fan, not a Cubs fan could have absolutely happened. Now way. we can finish this conversation. That's, <laughs> that's fantastic. Right. So good. Well, I love that. All right. So you grew up, was it a Christian family or were like you, you were just, it was just a family and you guys kind of went to church because it was a thing you had to do or how we were go? Catholic. So okay. we just went on Christmas and Easter yeah. and that was kind of when we went. And so religion was just kind of a tradition for me. It, it wasn't, and it was not about a relationship with Jesus Christ at all. Yeah. Um, okay. Well then, so how did it become about a relationship with Jesus for you? Well, so 2011, I am sitting on the sunny beaches of Cancun, enjoying a really nice trip. At this point in my life, uh, I had become the medical sales manager of a equipment company, worked my way up the ladder, really successful at 25 years old. I'm making six figures and have two beautiful boys at home, help just a beautiful marriage. Everything's going really well. I don't think that from a worldly standpoint, I could have been any more successful. And then all of a sudden I'm just reading my people magazine. I'm and sipping a fruity drink. And I realize, oh my gosh, something's wrong with me. I can't breathe. Like I got to get out of here now. So I excuse myself from my husband and uh, my friends that were with me. And I wound up going up to my hotel room and I couldn't decide if I needed to throw up or like, it was just, I, I, my chest was beating. I, I couldn't breathe. I could, I, it was like this, I was like in this really weird days of like, what is happening to me? And then for whatever reason, this idea of, oh, Christy, you packed a fan. Why don't you get that fan and start breathing in the fan? So I start doing that. And then all of a sudden it was like calm came over me after I was doing that deep breathing. And so Eric, this happened for about 20 minutes. And then, and I literally felt out of my mind in the moment. And then it it was gone. It was just completely gone. So I go back down to my friend and my husband and I'm like, I have no idea what that just, what that was. But they look at me and they're like, Christy, we're in Mexico, bad water, bad food. I mean, it could just have been <laughs> something like that. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't think much of it. Enjoy the rest of my vacation. I land in St. Louis. I turn on my phone um, at this point, very, very busy in my job. I was a workaholic 
and I looked and seen that I'd missed 200 emails and all the work that I was going to have to come back to. And I just start like, all of a sudden I start seeing black dots in my eyes. And then I started getting paralysis on the right side of my body. I mean, Eric, I'm in the middle of the airport. Wow. At this point. And I'm yeah. like, what is, what is happening? And it just winds up snowballing from there to where three days of intense, like I can't breathe. I've got, you know, heart palpitations, chest, and it's just going on like this. And it got so bad that I couldn't move the right side of my body. So I wound <sighs> up calling the doctor in the middle of the night. And he's like, Christy, I think you're having a stroke. You need to go to the emergency room right now. So there you have it. I uh, land a hospital stay. They do the whole nine yards, the MRI, the cardiac screening, all of those things. And uh, they admit me to the hospital. They do all the checkups. And then finally, the doctor comes in and he looks at me and he says, Chrissy, hey, everything checked out. Not fine. That's the good news. The bad news is I'm going to send you home with a bottle of Xanax. You've got panic and anxiety going on. And I'm like, Okay, I wanted to punch him in the face because like, no, you know, you don't understand, Doc. I'm dying. Something is happening to like I can't. What do you mean I'm fine? This cannot just be stress and anxiety. You're like, you've got to be crazy. And he's like, you're yeah. gonna need to follow up with your doctor. And so that's when it started to get really dark. I go home. Oh, no interesting. Hope. Okay. I want I want to pick it up right back there. Okay. okay. Because some interesting things uh that you said that I just wanna I wanna paint some of those pictures for us. I want you to paint some of those pictures for us. Sure. The um so before that, like you were probably already stressed before you were before you got to the beach, right? Absolutely. But Did man, we're superheroes, right? No. Okay. I, I think we live in this crazy life where busy is a badge of honor. We right. live in this this world where it's do more, do more, do more, achieve more. And, you know, you go get some girl like you be your boss, babe. And it's just like achievement and success and overbooking your calendar is normal. And if you don't do it, you're crazy. So mm -hmm. here's the interesting part, Eric, and I'm glad you stopped me. But what I didn't understand is the science behind stress and anxiety. Yeah. My body looked at rest as a threat. So it's why when I laid down to relax, it didn't know what to do and why I had a panic attack because I wasn't used to resting. Isn't that yep. interesting? Yep. I've been uh, reading a lot or I'm not reading. I've been seeing a lot about like cortisol and that the stress hormone, right? That you get, your body can get addicted to it. So like you're, you stop and all of a sudden it's like, Hey, whoa, what's going on with that? Right. It's, it's really oh, a little terrifying, honestly. Right. Like, whoa, that's, that's crazy. Uh, so, okay. So you're, so you, you were probably already stressed and you were already, you were under a lot of pressure. You take a moment to stop and relax because you probably knew you needed that. Like, okay, yeah, let's go. You deserve it. You've, you've worked hard for it. And you have, it was, this the first time you ever had a, a, a I guess I was, you'd call it anxiety or a panic attack, but this is the first time you ever experienced something like that. Physically? That was the very first time I've ever experienced anything like that. Butterflies in your stomach, nervous before a big presentation, having to land a big sales deal. Like you feel the nerves, you know what that feels like, but yeah. nothing like this where for 30 minutes, I could not think straight, breathe straight, or felt so disoriented and confused. And, and that was legitimately a panic attack and it, it passed and then more came. Yeah. But yeah okay. First time. Yeah. So it can be, it, it absolutely is one of those moments where you can feel so like you think you're going to die. You think I'm having a heart attack. I'm going to, let's go do the things you go to the doctor, you do all this stuff. You don't believe him. Cause you're like, Hey, what, this is not right. That's not what I experienced. Okay. So then you decide, so it's interesting that you said that's when it got dark. Cause I, that sounds pretty dark already to, to me. Right. So, but that's when it sounds like it got worse. So what happened then? 
So when someone looks at you and says, you've got to, you know, you've got panic and anxiety disorder. First of all, you have no idea what that means. Second of all, you're used to being the successful in control. I can do anything kind of girl. And that just gets kind of pulled out from underneath you. And your body is literally falling apart and you didn't give it permission to. And, and that part is just, in, it's excruciating. Yeah. So what happened was, is let me give you the science. My body was stuck in fight or flight mode. So for years, I was a workaholic. I didn't deal with unresolved conflict. I was a, a, a challenger and a pusher and my body was literally snowballing. So I, I kind of like to look at it like as an oil change. Okay. So some cars can go a really long time without, uh, you know, an oil change and some because of the wear and tear on them and how old they are, uh, what they've been through, you've got to get an oil change a little quicker. Well, my body was able at that time, it's not anymore, but at that time I was able to tolerate a lot, a lot of hours, a lot of work, a lot of stress, a lot of, until it blew up, my engine blew. And at that point, my body was stuck in flight or flight. So what happens in those moments is literally a nervous breakdown where you have back to back panic attacks. And I don't want to be dramatic here, but this is literally what it felt like. It felt like I was running a marathon and I would run it. I would complete it. I would get one second to breathe. And then it's like, go run another one, go run another one, go run another yeah. one, go run another wow. one. But for three straight weeks, I was having back-to-back -back panic attacks and I was losing weight. I hair was falling out of my head. My thoughts got dark. And in the very, very darkest moment, my husband keeps hunting guns in the corner of his bedroom because we're big. He's a big hunter and they weren't loaded. But I wound up kind of catching the gaze of those hunting guns. And because I was in such a state of darkness and physical torment and hell, the thought kind of set before me by the kingdom of darkness was like, why don't you just use those guns? Why don't you go ahead wow. and just take care of that? Because you're never going to get through this. This is going to be your life forever. You're going to be in this hell forever. And so it was that thought of, what if I did? What if I did? And I wound up just kind of collapsing on the floor thinking, oh my gosh, I could never do that. I could never do that. And I put blankets over the guns. And when my husband got home from work that day, he saw that. He said, Christy, why are there blankets over my guns? Yeah. And I had to tell him I was having dark thoughts. Yeah, that's scary. Um, how, so uh, how did he respond to that? I think he knew that I was in a bad place. However, men tend to be fixers. So he was doing everything he could to fix the situation. And I think at that point, seeing the hunting guns, seeing his wife who was self-reliant and self-sufficient and never needing help, all of a sudden he couldn't help me and I couldn't help myself. It was a moment of desperation for not only him, but for me, and we actually prayed together as a couple for the very first time after that darkness happened. Oh, wow. Okay. And so tell, tell me about that experience and what, what did something change or what happened there? I think it was truly, you know, I, I wish my story of coming to the Lord was this like beautiful, it, it was out of desperation. It literally was. And I think it was for Troy too. It was one of those moments where I was like, we can't pull our bootstraps up any higher. We can't do this on our own. It is only going to be by the grace of God that we're going to be able to get through this. So it was like, I got down on my knees and said, God, if you're real, I surrender 
and please help me. And he covered me in prayer and said, God, I don't know what to do. We need you. Will you, will you please help us in this situation? So it was, it was out of desperation. And you know, the beautiful thing is Eric, that was the first night that I slept in three weeks after the prayer from my husband and me actually getting down on my knees and saying, I can't do this. Come into my life, Lord. I I need, I need you. There's an element of surrender in that, isn't there? Absolutely. I mean, when we give our life to the Lord, um, there's some surrender, but I think surrender is a daily choice. We have to choose every day to wake up and say, I surrender, I surrender. And I think in our world, we look at surrender as such a weakness. You know, don't you dare surrender. Don't you dare give up. Don't you dare stop. But surrender is such a strength that if we'll just tap into it every single day, there is so much power in that. Oh, man. All right. So I love that idea of surrender as a choice for this reason. One of my big problems with the evangelicalism that I grew up in, which is probably very different than the Catholicism you grew up in, is that it's a little bit disempowering, right? Like in, in the ways that we talk about the human being, emotions, and I think will, right? Because uh, our will matters, right? We were created with our will for a reason. Uh, a, a strong will can change the world, right? Can can change the way that people think about things, can stand up for justice and righteousness and goodness in the world. Those things are positive, but if you're constantly told that you can't or that you shouldn't or that a strong will is negative, that can be disempowering and not not take you where, where you need to go. So having a moment where you go, okay, I'm going to intentionally put my will in front of the Lord and give that to him for his direction, right? That's a, that's a different deal uh, where, it, where it is still acknowledging your own um, – Man, your own power, Lord. I don't. That sounds woo woo, but you know what I mean. Uh, like your 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 own your own ability to call, to make things happen, but to bring Him into it. That's living life with God, right? That's a different deal. So I think that is powerful. I hear you saying that that's what you did. You're just like, okay, that's good, and then you slept. So then, did it did it get better, or how did what what was the next part of that journey for you? It was an 18 month journey of recovery, honestly, Mm. Uh, intensive Christian therapy, a clinical team taking medication. It was uh, uh, just a full body, soul and spirit, holistic approach. But also, you know, there was the physical side of it. There was the I mean, it was it, it was a complete collaborative effort to get me to a space where I could be normal again. And I think about it like at the time I was, you know, 25 years old. It took me 25 years to get into that madness and having a nervous breakdown, taking, you know, 18 months to kind of come through it. It doesn't seem like that bad, Mm. you know, when you think about it. So my journey, um, was daily learning to surrender was daily learning that I wasn't superwoman, And really, I, I, I've only been a Christian since 2011. So, you know, there's a lot of people that walked with the Lord their whole life. And so I had a lot to learn. I had a lot to grow. I had a, a lot to, to walk through. Well, so what was that like for you? What what did what did you learn uh, specifically around kind of that your your relationship with the Lord and um, like how how that go for you? Did you have mentors? Were there sp- certain passages that stood out to you? What what was that like for you? Yeah, I'm so glad you talked about the passage. Okay, so I came across First John four eighteen. I'm just going to read it. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because yeah. fear involves torment. 
but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. I had to wrestle with that scripture, Eric, because here's what I here here's what I think. When fear is operating, love can't freely flow. And so what I was realizing is that I had to really come to grips with is understanding God's love, a method we have overlooked as a society to overcoming anxiety. Because we don't talk about that. You know, we talk about, oh, you've got fear and anxiety. It's like, well, take a pill. Oh, you've got fear and anxiety. Well, go see a counselor. Oh, you've got fear and anxiety. And and, and we don't talk about the spiritual side of that. And when I read 1 John 4, 18, fear involves torment. I think that panic attacks are from the pits of hell. <laughs> They're mm-hmm. the most tormenting thing you can ever experience in your life. So I had to come to this thought of like, okay, if I really believe that God cast out fear, then what do I need to do to change in order to really believe that with my whole heart? And, and, and first it was to understand God's love, to truly understand God's love, go deeper into what is God's love? What does it mean to be loved by God? You know, what does his love feel like? And so I went on this journey of understanding the depth and magnitude of Mm. God's love. And that changed me from the inside out because I think so many are dealing great Christians that are going to make it to heaven. They're going to go to heaven, Eric. They're going to, they're going to go, but they're still struggling with massive amounts of fear and anxiety and worry and stress. And, and I truly believe that when we understand who God is and how much he loves us, a lot of that just gets cast away. Absolutely. Yeah. So that is one of the most powerful messages. I think going to first John there is amazing because you're right. Love is the key. Um, so I sometimes say the Beatles got it right, right? All we need is love. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's actually true. That actually is who God is. And when we, when we understand it, um, it's life-changing. It really can, can change you. The gospel always starts with love, not not with condemnation, right? Romans eight, uh, there is no there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ because of God. So, um, or because of Jesus. So, tell me, like, what what did you discover about God's love? What was that like? You said you went on this kind of odyssey of kind of figuring out what God's love was like. Was there an experience or a time like that? That passage in First John is a great one, but was there more to that, or you know, has it dawned on you over that period of time? What what was that like? So as ladies, a lot of times we have extensions. So we have extra hair in our head, right? I don't know if men wear extensions as often as girls I'm do. just happy to have the hair I've got. <laughs> but do you know the scripture that all the hairs are numbered on our head? Yes. It's 12, 7. I, I don't know if I'm just weird, but I looked at that and I'm like, really? How, how in the world does he know every single hair on our head? So I had to come to grips with the fact that that was true. Scripture is true. Mm. And that he knows us intimately. He knows the numbers of hairs on our head. And he casts our sins as far as east as it is to the west. And his thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are higher than, than our ways. Understanding this depth that God has that we don't have. And I think we try to have 
God complex because we try to understand things that we just can't understand. And we try to do things our way instead of his way. And we try to, um, you know, put ourselves in God's shoes so many times. And I think I had to take myself off the throne, Eric. I had to realize that I'm not God. He is, and he's so much better at it. And when I would surrender my will to his, he gives us the desires of our heart. So it's like when I'm mm. following hard after him, uh, he, I want what he wants. And it's just this beautiful thing. And and now I'm fully walking in my purpose where I get to share and love and equip and encourage people that have battled with the same thing that almost took me out. So I would say depth and then also his magnitude, which um, the Latin root word of magnitude is actually greatness of character. Do you know the greatness of God's character? Do you really understand how good he is? And uh, how, I mean, I think sometimes people, you know, the the, the question that gets asked all the time, why do uh, bad things happen to good people? And so we project this idea of God that isn't actually biblical. And we look, we don't understand that he really is great and he really is faithful and he really is good. And I think we have this kind of, God gets a bad rap for things that we do because we're living in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. So depth and magnitude of God's love, I think was was a, a huge, and I have to remind myself of it all the time, all the time. Yeah. No, God does love me. No, he is with me. He will never leave me or forsake me. I have to speak those things over me to remind me all the time that God does love me. And that if I am feeling fear, I can know that it isn't from God because God doesn't speak to me like that. Yeah. I love that. So one of the things I like to talk about here is the dark night of the soul, which kind of this whole season for you was a dark night of the soul, which is interesting because on the journey uh, for some of us like me who came, who just grew up in a Christian family and always kind of dwelt in this, the dark night was something different, right? It was like, it wasn't the thing that brought me to Christ. It did, but it was, it was a refining, right? For you, your dark night was the time when you found Christ, right? When you, when you found God in a, in a new way. And it, it sounds like it gave you some different identities, right? So no longer did you have to be superwoman. You didn't have to wear your cape anymore. No capes. Um, but you could uh but you could find some rest in God and kind of who he made you to be, right? So what's a new identity that you have besides um besides the sort of superwoman experience that you that you thought you had to live in before? I think I learned that my identity was shaped by what I believed God was. So I, I, I know that he gave me gifts and talents, but I was using those gifts and talents for my good instead of for his good. So when I realized that he gave me the gift of teaching and, and speaking, and I was using it for myself before and and so then after the breakdown, I realized that all of those gifts and all the things that he prepared me for, the college in musical theater and the going away to New York City and learning there, all of those things were just the launching pad for what he really was going to do, which would be to help me help the world overcome fear and anxiety. So I think, you know, my identity became less about me, myself and I, and more about what what is it that Jesus needed me to do or wanted to partner with me, you know, to do? So I think, I don't know, pre-breakdown, pre it was about me. After breakdown, it was about him. 
So I adapted that I am a child of of the king and I am anointed and called and chosen and fearfully yes. and wonderfully made. And those were my, those became my identity, not a saleswoman, not, you know, got your masters, you know, all these notches that I had on my belt that, you know, made me think that I was only worthy because of those things. Now it was, Hey, you have a successful day. If you were obedient to God, if you just did what he asked you to do for the day and see, that's the problem. Our world just looks at success as achievement and favor and wealth and all these things. But man, God just says, be obedient to me. And that's where success lies. And I think we just kind of got it messed up. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's absolutely right. Which is about being, not doing right. So I hear you talking about your, your definition of success. I love that, uh, is about, was I faithful to who God called me to be instead of that? Now here's the, here's the other interesting thing. Uh, you're still a go-getter, right? You wrote a book, you're, you're creating an organization, you're, you're doing these things, um, because that's who, that's who you are, but God transformed that from uh to into a thing of service that I like I, this is one of my new favorite phrases is bringing the gospel to bear on your niche right so you're bringing the kingdom of god which is peace and rest and joy and love to bear on a world that experiences so much anxiety and fear and pain which is exactly what Jesus did, right? He brought, he did the same, the same thing, and he called us to do it as well. You're sharing the gospel in your way, and I just think that is fantastic. But still, you're still you. Like you're still, you're still like, hey, I'm gonna go, you know, do all these amazing things. But at the end of the day, you can feel better if, okay, we didn't reach whatever a hundred million people or something, right? You're like, okay, I was faithful to the thing God called me to do, and that is it. Like, I don't know, how does that resonate with you? I just mic drop that'll preach right there. That was fantastic. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think that, oh, so many times. Oh, okay. Here's a a, a quote that, do you know who Mark Batterson is? I, I love Mark Batterson. Mm, I feel like I should, but I, I don't recall immediately. Uh, he, he, one of his quotes that just gets me, and I think it's talking exactly. It says, don't seek opportunity, seek God and opportunity will find you. And so I think it was it was just completely turned around the other way. I was seeking opportunity, seeking opportunity, knocking down the doors, trying to do it my way, you know, more, 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 more. And 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 when you're walking with the Lord and his kingdom, it's just seek kingdom, seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added, right? So I think that's that's the difference is do you wake up every morning seeking him and asking him what your you know, duties for the day are? Or are you doing it in your own strength and striving and achieving and trying to get it all done? And I, I find that there's just this level of rest and fun and joy and hope that when you'll just, when you'll just trust him with it, 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 it goes a lot better. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So you are launching this book called Nervous Breakthrough. Tell us about that and tell us what people are going to find when they get into it. So it's Nervous Breakthrough, Finding Freedom from Fear and Anxiety in a World that Feeds It. And I think it just kind of goes right back to what you were just talking about. You know, we are called to bring the good news into the world. And I think where your, where your breakdown intersects, like the way God made you, that's where your purpose is. And, and so this is what you're going to find in the book. You're going to find out my story. You're going to find out a lot of what I've journeyed with in terms of overcoming severe panic and anxiety disorder, 
Uh, I have something called uh, aftershocks that I talk about. And uh, a lot of, a lot of times people will come to me like, okay, Christy, you, you talk about overcoming fear and anxiety. Like, are you completely over it? Like, do you ever have a panic attack anymore? Like, I, you know, and so I call them aftershocks. Yes. I still like, unfortunately I still struggle with it in that area, but I'm not where I was. And I'm so, so grateful for that. So if you're going to want to read this book, it's, it's going to help anyone that's headed towards a nervous breakdown in the middle of a nervous breakdown or wondering if you're headed towards a nervous breakdown, that that's it. And it's also for the church leader. It's, it's for anybody that wants to understand fear and anxiety a little bit more. Somebody that might say, gosh, I've never experienced this, but I know everyone around me is struggling with it. I think I'm going to pick up this book just so that I can understand, just so that I can compassion and empathy towards somebody that has gone through it. So it's going to help you in all those areas. Yeah, absolutely. Which I, I think is, a really key um, point there that we, you know, you, you may not be the person you, it may come upon you unexpectedly. Right. So this book can certainly be a resource for that, but um, you have no idea the level of anxiety that the people around you are also experiencing. I mean, we have all been through trauma in the last three years, right? We've all been through something where everything else uh, that we thought was important got stripped away. And so that can be really uh, anxiety inducing. So maybe you, maybe you need that. And I love the idea too, that if you're a church leader, um, you know, or you just have friends, right. You can, you, you need uh, to have an understanding of, of what this, you know, how this actually works for people. Um, I love that. Okay. Well, that's, that's really great. And you're also, uh, tell me more about, um, you started this organization. So tell me, tell me more about that and what you guys do and, and how you help people. Fearless Unite is an organization that puts programming out into the world uh, to help people that are dealing with panic and anxiety and fear and stress mm-hmm. and worry. We do it in a, a, a just a slew of different ways. We've got a blog. Uh, we have what we call impact studies. So we have 10 studies that are written specifically about fear and anxiety. And you can take these Bible studies uh, to, to kind of walk through a six, seven week series. Uh, we also do retreats where we pour into you for an entire weekend, and then we have conferences that we do. So really, it's we go where we're called, and we have tons of programming that we can do to work with people to help church organizations, help, you know, maybe even it's just um, a, a staff of people that need some education on fear and anxiety and some some coping mechanisms. We can help with that. So that's kind of what yeah. Fearless does. I love that. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about that because I want people at the end of this conversation, if they are wrestling with anxiety to feel like I certainly friends, I want you to go pick up nervous breakthrough. If that's something that's resonating with you, but also like, let's give them a little bit of like a couple of things that you found helpful. Like what practices did you find helpful? What um, we've talked about some scriptures, but were there, were there some specific practices that you adopted to help you kind of lean into this identity and lean into the kind of peace that you were looking for? Yeah, a few things. Eric, at the beginning of the interview, you so beautifully asked me, did you see this coming? Did you have any warning signs? Were there any? So I have something that I teach people called smoke alarms. And smoke alarms are built-in blessings that our body have that our bodies has. And if we won't tap into those or pay attention to those, you could be headed towards a nervous breakdown. So one thing that I like to tell people is, hey, if you have 
restless thoughts and you are constantly thinking about and you have got insomnia and maybe you've got a clenched jaw or maybe you've got tension in the back of your neck or head. Maybe you're having lots of headaches. You know, maybe you've got this like stomach ache that won't go away and you've had it for a really long time. Pay attention to it, friends. Pay attention. These are built in smoke alarms. Scott is saying, hey, something is not right in your body. And if you're just going to, hey, Eric, if a smoke alarm went off right now in the middle of our podcast, would we be able to continue? No, nope. it'd be like, this is super annoying. Let's figure this out. Let's attend to the smoke alarm. Let's, let's do it. So same thing it is. So that was one of the main things is I had to start realizing I had to be in tune enough with my body to go, okay, I've got these weird things that are going on. Let's pay attention to them. So in hindsight, if I would have been looking, had I had those things going on in my body before I had tons of those things happening, yeah. but I was just plowing through ignoring snoozing my smoke alarm, just nothing. So that was huge. I think another thing too, is we don't realize how important physical activity is when we're feeling stressed out. So when that cortisol and that adrenaline is racing through your body, what you want to do is have light exercise. You don't want to go and do like a full out workout because then you're going to get your heart rate up. You want to just do light exercise and that's going to burn off some of that cortisol and adrenaline. So if you've got those smoke alarms going on, by goodness, go take a walk, take a good long walk. And then bonus, if you throw in some worship music while you're doing it, you can't worship and worry at the same time. So that was something that I really learned that the walking was huge, 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 huge for me. Another thing I talked about my clinical team, I saw a therapist, Christian therapist every week, religiously. I did that. I was excavating the things underneath the surface that really needed to be brought out that kind of got me into the place that I was before. And I think that anytime that we're dealing with stress and anxiety and fear, getting to the root of what is triggering you is so, so, so key. And the last thing, thought dump before bed. I couldn't, I mean, oh, you, yeah. you keep a journal by your bed and you thought dump. You Anything that you're thinking, anything negative that happened the day, something that made you mad, something that frustrated, something you're worried about, something you constantly are thinking about and you can't stop thinking about it. You put those down on paper and then you try to recognize what is the lie that I'm believing in this thought dump right now. Then you match it up with God's word and you speak the truth over the lie that you might be thinking. Yes. And I wish I could say that I did my thought dump like every night, but I will tell you when, when it's getting bad. My thought dump is the first place I go. It's the first place. And my friends, my dear, dear friends are like, Christy, have you thought dumped lately? Have you thought that? So these were just a few things that I realized that if I would be diligent about all of that, it really helped when stress and fear and anxiety started rearing its ugly head. Oh man, I love that. Okay. So a couple of thoughts. Uh, first of all, I agree with the thought dump idea. I had to, I started about when I started my business, I had to get a um, journal and I use the full focus planner and mm. I just got the one with like the, the rings so I can actually keep pages in there and stuff like that. But, um, because for that very reason, like I found that I would just obsess about things if, cause I was afraid I'd forget them. Right. So I would, if, but if I write them down, then I know they're there and then I can, I can go back to it and revisit the thought, uh, or the, or the problem or whatever it is. And you can approach it at a time when you have the mental capacity, right. To, to do that. Um, related to that is, um, the prayer of examine. Have you ever done examine? You ever, ever heard of that? So, uh, so this is the funny thing. I learned that from Catholics, right? So this is a, <laughs> so that's actually, I had to go to part of my story is 
growing up evangelical, I say I went to college to learn to study the Bible and seminary to learn how to pray. And that in in seminary, I went to, or maybe sort of seminary kind of after I went to a Jesuit retreat house, which is here in Colorado. um, That is like, they taught me so much about this kind of stuff. And the prayer of example was one of those things that's really helpful where you, at the end of the day, you review your day and you ask yourself a question, where was God with me? in these situations, right? Wow. And so maybe you did something really amazing and God was celebrating, Jesus was celebrating with you. And maybe you uh, yelled at somebody or you got mad or you had you had some not proud moments, Jesus was there with you anyway, right? And so you kind of review your day and look at that. Um, and that's, so that's a, that's a practice that I think resonates with what you're, with the thought dump. Just one more question to ask as you're, as you're doing that, that I think is amazing. Okay, and then the other thing I wanted to talk about that you, that you mentioned, I hear you saying, uh, that is kind of a hobby horse for me because I think as evangelicals, um, I certainly didn't grow up with this and I had to learn it over time. I think it's part of the problem here is we don't have a holistic view of the human being, right? So we have to, whether it's therapy and then valuing, uh, you know, psychology or physiology, right? And valuing the fact that you had all these warning signs in your in your body, right? You you the way to think about this is you have to pay attention to what's happening, to what you're feeling and what you're experiencing. In evangelicalism, we've elevated so highly the mind, which I'm it's super important. But I've got all these books back here because I value my mind, right? But it's not it's not everything. So you have to you have to think about your body as well and pay attention to those signs, to those those things. God made it that way on purpose. One of the most important, I'll put the link in the in the show notes. One of my favorite episodes of the show is with Mark Shelsky, who talked about emotions as a dashboard, which is similar to what you're saying about your body, right? As a it's a it's like the idiot lights that come on and go, hey, something's going on. Whoa, I'm angry. What's that about? Right? Whoa, I feel this pit in my stomach. I should pay attention to that. What can I do about it? And if you do that, it's partly knowing yourself, which I think is a whole nother rant that I could go on. But when, when you do that, um, that's part of actually living your life with, with God, right? He gave you those for a reason. So pay attention. Absolutely. So what comes to my mind is fear is an indicator, not a dictator. Yeah, that's right. The dashboard thing is just such a beautiful, beautiful analogy of, and, and I think sometimes, I, I don't know, I have unfortunately in the church world, because I've had the opportunity to work with lots of churches, we there there is this weird thing that we do sometimes, not all churches, but like you don't have enough faith if you're experiencing fear. And that really frustrates me because yes. I, I, I don't believe that that's true. I, I believe that we need to be working on our faith, but that doesn't mean that um, if we have fear that we don't have enough faith. And I, I think, you know, didn't Jesus say in this world, we will have trouble. So in that trouble, what will be the emotion that takes place? And that it may be a little bit of fear. Maybe you'll walk through a season of depression. May, maybe oh. those things, you know, it, it, it's, it, but Hey, like, what do you do in those moments? Right. It's not the emotion itself that it's the sin it's the action that takes place afterwards right so if i choose to stay anxious then that's a problem and and if i choose to to linger in the the emotion too long that causes me to sin then that's that's the problem right so it's frustrating to me when people just put this blanket over it it was like oh you've got fear and anxiety well 
then your faith must be weak and you don't have enough faith. And that part Amen. is very frustrating to me. Okay. So you just triggered a thought for me. So, okay. you know, you've heard people say that, uh, you know, do not fear is like in the Bible. I don't know however many times they say, right, all the time. What if that's not there as a condemnation? So this is all in how I read. This is mindset, right? It was So all in how you read it. What if it's there? So you you see an angel, for instance, let's just pretend that's, I, we could pull out a case. I don't, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but you see an angel. What's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to be afraid. Holy yeah, oh what's God. going on here? Right you're now. going to be afraid. So the, the, the statement, do not fear, is less a commentary on the fact that you shouldn't be afraid and more, more a comfort and acknowledgement that you, that there is fear and that you don't need to be afraid. Oh, oh. There you You're go. So good. So good. So I actually studied this a little bit. So the New King James Version has 404 references of not fearing. Some of the those fears have to do with reverence and awe of God, but most of them are exactly what you're talking about. Do not be afraid. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. And I kind of looked at it like not this command to never fear, but that our God is so loving and so kind to us that he knew that we would have fear that he had to continually remind us like, no, 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 it's okay. And what do the angels do in those situations when they, you know, they would say back, Hey, Hey, don't be afraid. Why? It's almost as if they're saying, Hey, I know this is kind of scary. And I know this is sort of freaking you out, but don't, don't worry. It's okay. It's okay. It's, it's like a reminder. It's a comfort. And I love that you just said that. That's so good, Eric. Yeah. So good. Interesting. So I, I think that's really good. So one example that's standing out to me now is Joshua. And I forget the, I forget the exact thing with, so I shouldn't talk about it too, too much, but he meets an angel member and, and he's like, Hey, are you for us or against us? So his response is, I'm getting out my sword if I got it. Or like he's ready. Cause he was always on, you know, yeah. uh, so fascinating. And I think he gets the same command. No, I'm on your side. It's okay. But interesting. I love that. I think it is always good when we can hear a reminder that not only is 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 God full of love which he's talked about so beautifully earlier but that means that he understands the emotions and the feelings that we have we can go through them you can uh you know walk through whatever you're facing with uh joy with grace and with peace uh, so that is absolutely possible. Christy, I thank you for this. So I've got links to your website, which I have right here is fearlessunite.com. Correct. That's where That's correct. people can find you. So friends, go check that out. Again, the book is Nervous Breakthrough, Finding Freedom from Fear and Anxiety in a World that Feeds It. Boy, amen. Uh, Christy, is there anything you want to leave us with? I think for the person that's on the other side that maybe has grown up in the church world and is a little afraid to maybe say, gosh, I am struggling with fear. I am struggling with anxiety. I haven't been honest with the people around me. And maybe I realize I do have some smoke alarms going on. I guess I just want to say, don't be afraid to share. Don't be afraid. Anxiety will isolate you more if you are not vulnerable about it. And I think it's so important for us to share what's really going on to someone that we can trust, to pray for us, to come alongside of us and to encourage us. And I think when I finally stepped out and shared my story as being a successful person that was no longer able to do what I needed to do anymore, that was when I realized I wasn't alone. So please share, don't be afraid to share. And that vulnerability on the other side is so much more comfort. So I think that's what I wanted to share. 
Yes and amen. I absolutely love that, friends. I hope that you can find someone to walk through that path with you if you need. Um, either way, go. I mean, go check out Cushy's uh, uh, website, fearlessunite.com, and uh, and do that. Thanks, Christy, for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you.